0: Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs.
1: The Danny Mac Show with BK, podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Friday edition of the show. The Cubs are in town. We're going to have close to 40,000 people, patrons, fans in downtown St. Louis. I can't wait. We got a playoff game tonight with the Blues. You can listen to the game uh, right here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game at 730. It's a normal start time. How about this, Dan? What more could you ask normal start time.
2: And thank God it's on a Friday night. Wait what
1: what are we doing here? Yeah, we <laughs> what have, are we doing here? When COVID hit, we didn't have that. The, uh, when the team was in the bubble, they were always playing late and they've been playing because of the separation of the teams and how it worked out. They're playing on the West coast a bunch. So this is great to have a normal start time and 9,000 fans for a hockey game tonight at enterprise that's BK that's Tanner I'm Dan and uh, we got a loaded show today I'm I'm looking forward to it the former Cubs general manager he's had all kinds of roles in the game of baseball college too and that's Jim Henry and then we're also going to visit with Ryan Terrio. the riot is going to be with us can't wait for that because he was a part of the 2011 world champion Cardinals great guy and should be fun to visit with him so um, I I just I'm going to be taken aback by actually maybe having some traffic Leaving the ballpark tonight, and I'm looking forward to it.
2: I never thought I'd look forward to traffic. I'm looking forward to some traffic tonight. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome, Dan. And I think the team is going to feed off of it. One guy in particular that I can't wait to get his thoughts after the weekend is Nolan Arenado. As much as he has to be loving the way that everything has gone for him and the team since he uh, took over here in St. Louis, it's just a little different when you've got 40,000 fans in the stands every night. We're not there yet, we're gonna get there very soon. But for them to be able to finally kind of show the love that Nolan Arenado deserves, especially after the start that he's had, it's going to be spectacular. And Dan, kind of like watching Arenado, where you get a greater appreciation for it when it's there every day. Yeah, I think that's also the case for the fans where every market in America will have a few games a year where it's completely sold out. Every one of them does. It's different when it's every day. When it's Monday through Sunday that you've got a sold out capacity, that that's going to be what I'm excited to see from Nolan Arenado.
1: Nine thousand. Well, let's start with this: nine thousand fans at Enterprise tonight. So remember, this season began with zero. Nine thousand is going to feel like ninety, probably. Absolutely. And I, I think the the key tonight is coming out in the first five minutes and playing off the crowd and and whatever the, the Blues do such a good job in their their shows before the games, kind of, for lack of a better term, the the pregame. Um and it, it I, I just think it's gonna be great. I, I'm almost emotional about it. Thinking about 9,000 fans. It's gonna be great. And now is it a full capacity? Normally it's 18, 18, 5, 19. No, but it's gonna feel different. There's no doubt. And I bet you're gonna see when you're watching, if you don't have a ticket or you're watching on the on the television, you're gonna see uh fans on by the glass. You know, that's one of the things I really noticed in watching some of the playoff hockey, and I've tried to take in a lot of it. Um the fans on the glass. Like I forgot that, you know, they're there. That part's going to be great. And 30,000 fans at the ballpark tonight, uh, 28,000, whatever it's going to be, that is going to feel like a full house. I really believe that BK. I I could be wrong, but I I think you're going to hear, and some of these fans will be Cub fans. and You're going to hear them going back and forth with the Cardinal fans. It's just going to feel different at the ballpark tonight. And I I can't wait for it. You know, it's just, I go back to this time last year. We weren't even playing baseball. We're trying to figure out how a sports going to come back. And now we're going to
2: have, you know, close to 30,000 people there tonight. It's, it's great. It's and wonderful. You've mentioned this in the past. I think it was a uh, spring training time. You came on with the Fastlane. I remember listening to the interview in the moment. And I was like, wow, he's right. Um, baseball is going to be a little bit of the coming out party for America in a lot of ways, right? Where it's starting to feel a little bit more normal. Yeah. You're getting the vaccines even going further and further. And it's, it's starting to feel a little bit more like normal life out there. And you're seeing that now, like the public display of it is going to a baseball game and having 40,000 fans soon in the stands 30 that right now at Cardinals games. And that's, it, it feels better and to be able to, especially here in St. Louis have that available to you. So
1: having said that, um, do you think it'll be loud? What do you, what do you think it's going to be like tonight uh, for cards? Cubs game? Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty loud. Yeah I have noticed I don't know if you guys Agree with this So we've had You know I think the biggest crowd We had was the other night It was 14,005 um, Those 14,000 Are making noise More so than I ever remember At the a Cardinals The whoos are
2: finally Getting drowned out A little bit Which is great They are Come, <laughs> uh, Come
1: on <laughs> Tanner is the President of the Woo in, uh, St. Louis fan club So Woo and the Lou do you notice that I, I find i think the fans have been more engaged in the game than they ever have been in in recent memory just like just reacting booze cheers whatever i i don't care just reaction um it just seems like there's more activity buzz among the fan base and maybe it's because we're coming off and maybe my, i'm sensitive to it because we had nobody there last year except some guy you know and making sure he got loud and then pulled it down off the board. I just think they've been engaged. And and I wonder if that's going to keep continuing on with now doubling capacity.
2: I think part of it is just us noticing it a little bit more because it was gone for a while. Like, you know, when you get a new car, a new make, new model, You start noticing, oh, wow, a lot of people have this car. It's not because there's more people driving it. It's because you are now recognizing that car when you're going out. There's a little bit of that. I also think, Dan, there's other factors that go into play here. The people that are going out to the ballpark right now are probably the ones that are most into the game because they're the ones that are going because of baseball, not because of the crowd, if you will. So there's some of that as well. But I do think even if it's like 10 percent of it, there is a portion of fans are a little bit more into it because it was taken away from them for a year. They couldn't go out to Cardinals games the way that they normally do over the summer. So I think it's a little bit of all of those factors.
1: So tonight uh, returning, uh, it will be Carlos Martinez tomorrow. It'll be miles Michaelis and Sunday is Adam Wainwright. This is an intriguing pitching series for the Cardinals because you get Martinez back. And I don't expect any hiccup there. I think he'll be fine. The one that I'm very intrigued with is Michaelis. And I said this on the morning show, when you have Martinez and Michaelis coming back, BK, it probably puts a little bit more added uh, look at the bullpen because I- I'm not sure how deep these guys are going to go in their games. Now, we we may get seven out of Martinez tonight or eight or nine. You don't know. Wayno's always up for nine. You know that. But Michaelis is kind of the wild card in this, and-, and Mike Schilt is happy to have him back. It's exciting, right? You know, he's gone through and put a – but, you know it's been a little bit of a journey for him wasn't as invasive of a of procedure but
0: still clearly an invasive procedure that that um warranted him missing a fairly significant amount of time and he, he did his rehab like a real pro and um, handled it really well and was really good at, with the younger players at the alternate side and in Memphis from what I understand so we appreciate that you know no it's exciting for him to get back in the rotation and perform and pitch what he doing what he loves to do
1: so, what should we expect from Miles Michaelis this season? 2018, 32 starts. He went 18 and 4. He was an all star. 19, 9 and 14, 32 starts. I wanted to see him go out there and be healthy every fifth day because if he does that, it, it does have a trickle down effect, especially when you get through the, what's coming up for the Cardinals, which is 17 games in 17 days. And you are going to have a six starter. But then after that, there's time to evaluate. Do you want to put somebody in the bullpen? And if he gives you the option to do that, he helps your team. Now, he's got to be good every fifth day, or at least give you what you hope. I'm not talking about a guy just to pencil in because, oh, it's Miles Michaelis and you got a starter. Okay, he goes every fifth day. No, you want some production, obviously. But having said that, then what happens with what you do in your bullpen and I can see this being a little bit of a concern for the Cardinals right now. The left side of their bullpen, which is, we talked about it yesterday. You have Cabrera coming out of that left side. Love him against lefties and righties. Webb is kind of a guy that with a three batter minimum, you're a little iffy on. Even though his numbers when right, splits are fine. But he hasn't been good here lately. So left side of the bullpen, Gallegos can get lefties out. But the big picture is, you know who can get lefties and righties and give you multiple innings is the guy that's been in your rotation and that's John Gant. Yep. So we'll see what happens there.
2: Yeah, With let's go back to Miles Michaelis for a second because I'm really interested to see how he looks with this specific Cardinals team. I think he is ready-made for this team. And the reason why I say that, Dan, is because if you look back to his two healthy years with the Cardinals, 2018-2019, among all qualified starters in Major League Baseball, there's 54 of them, he was second in walk rate. He had one of the yes. lowest walk rates in all of baseball. And what has been the problem for the Cardinals this year? Good point. Their staff is walking way too many guys. So he's not giving guys free passes. And the other thing that he does really well, Dan, is kind of like John Gantt, the guy that you're probably going to be pushing out of the rotation. He gets a lot of ground balls. And with this defensive infield right now, especially with Edmundo Sosa out there, who's been great so far at shortstop. I think he is ready-made for exactly what this Cardinals team needs. Quick outs. Maybe that does get him a little bit deeper into games instead of going four or five, which I think should be the kind of expectation early on. Maybe he's able to get through six. And if this team gets a quality start this year, they're 11-3 when that happens. So... I think this is a perfect style of pitcher for what the Cardinals need right now. Miles Michaelis had a rough year a little bit in 2019 in terms of the ERA. I think it's going to look a lot better this year if he's healthy.
1: Well, I don't think Miles Michaelis is here unless you felt he could give you five, six, seven innings. That's the way I look at it, because if if he was only going to come up here and give you three or four, I'd say, well, then take another start down the minor leagues. We need to have a competitive start here at the major league level. So I'm counting on at least five. That's what I want to see. At minimum, five, if not six, if not seven. Because if he wasn't ready, shouldn't be here. And that's the way I look at it. Because then you're putting a lot of pressure on your bullpen. And think about it. If he only gave you one or two, and you got to go to your bullpen to cover the rest, then it has the effect of, well, what's the next day look like? And the day after that, who can I use? Man, it has a trickle-down effect when you play a lot of games, and that's Absolutely. what happens in Major League Baseball. So,
2: And they're starting 17 games in 17 days again yeah. starting tonight. So it's it's going to be a situation where if they get into that vicious cycle again of starters going three or four innings, and then you get back-to-back on those, that's where you really start to eat at that bullpen. And as you said, they don't really have a whole lot of lefties to go to right now. So they're going to need Miles Michaelis at a minimum. You're right, five innings out of him. You want to see another bounce back from Carlos Martinez coming off of the IL and the guy that has quietly not gone deep into games this year is KK. They need KK over the next week or so when his spot comes up to be able to go deep as well. This is the Danny Max show with BK the podcast powered by I promise.
1: Really looking forward to this visit with Jim Henry. Did a great job in Chicago, the former GM in Chicago. He's been a scout. He's worked at Creighton University as a coach and knows all about talent. And uh, with uh, BK Brandon Kylie, I'm Dan McLaughlin. And let's say uh, good morning to Jim Henry. Hey Jim, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. Uh, where do we find you these days?
3: Well, uh, usually uh, this time of year after you know spring training, I'm I'm involved with the draft, so I do a lot of the Best I can to help Damon Oppenheimer all over the country. So today I happen to be in the Northeast with our area scout Matt Hyde, and uh, it was a great time to catch you guys. Got about a half an hour before batting practice, and and uh, so I really like that. Still, it's a it's a little bit of a grind at my age on the different planes every day but for a couple of months I, I really still do love it
1: jim we we booked you for 45 minutes <laughs> I, I gotta well, tell you, you know, I, we
3: can do that I, I can miss bp it's not really the game so, you know.
1: <laughs> I, i'm really curious from your perspective because i mentioned that you are tremendous at, at evaluating talent and you really are You're, you've done a great job over the years with this whether it was signing free agents or drafting and developing guys so how did COVID nineteen affect uh, the talent out there with guys that weren't ab- able to play? And, and f- in many ways, you guys weren't able to see them.
3: Well, it was really tough, uh, and I feel bad for so many of the players that uh, obviously started the big leagues. I mean, the sixty game schedule was really hard to wrap your you know arms around. And really, besides the Dodgers, I think we're the best team and prove that. But it, it's hard to wrap your wrap around the fact that you know did the right teams all get in or you know, 60 games is usually not a barometer in the big leagues of what, you know, the best situation could be for everybody. So that was hard and I feel terrible for the minor league kids that didn't have a season. And, and that's so detrimental to their development. You, know, you take a good player out of a four-year school and he's 21 and is a junior and maybe he signs near the deadline and gets a little instructionally again, and then he doesn't play for a year and a half. So now the 21 and a half year old kid's 23 and he hadn't even been to a ball yet. So it's a and now, now we're in a situation where we don't know for sure how it's going to affect the long-term season this year or their development or the people that didn't pitch and then had to get ramped up for spring training. Is it going to affect arm injuries? And, and then, of course, the college kids. I think they got – last year we were scouting guys for about 15 games, and, and their season went down the drain. And then it's now a burden on all the college campuses. of They gave everybody an extra year. Or the NCAA did for COVID. And, and now you have a bunch of schools playing 23-year-old kids, and that first year 18 year old kid that's a you know good prospect or decent prospect he's got to now sit and wait his turn and not play as much because that coach has to win and, and part of that rightfully so you know uh so it, it's really uh, you know I, I think it's very negative in a lot of ways what happened to the game and and hopefully by you know this end of this year or certainly one, one more season uh we get things back on track but a lot of people were affected negatively
2: Jim, you've been around this game for a long time now. I'm always curious when I talk to people like you, you know, who who's the best player you've ever scouted, whether it be somebody that you ended up going on to draft or you, you missed out on him, whatever it may be. Who's the guy that you were like, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like this yeah. before. Well,
3: you know, it's funny. We, we we're I was talking last night to our air scout after the game we went to and He said, who were the best amateur guys you've ever seen? And I And I said, you want me to talk about from pro ball on in 92 or – even my coaching days before that. And he said, No, oh, everything. Just at that level, you in person scouted, coached against. And I always, pitching wise, I always tell people the same thing. that The best I ever saw, and that was a, as a high school coach, was Doc Gooden. And I saw Doc pitch a couple times at Tampa Hillsborough, and it was something to behold. And he ended up going fifth in the draft. And I'm sure a couple years later, he would have gone 1 1 with somebody took a mulligan. I think he ended up winning, like, 19 games at 19 or 20 years old for the match. He was unbelievable. Uh, Pitching-wise, the next best two were, at the time were probably Kerry Wood and Josh Beckett, you know, coming out of the draft. They were, you know, just, just phenomenal. And, and on, the, on the hitting side, it, it's, it's a short list of, of, you know, when you separate the great ones. It was Griffey, it was Gary Sheffield, and it was probably A-Rod, you know, at Westminster High School. In Florida, that doesn't mean there weren't a lot of, I'm, you know, I'm probably being remiss here and not mentioning people that are in the Hall of Fame, but just in person on the days I saw him, that was the core that I would always go off of, you know, from a scouting perspective.
1: You know, one of the guys, and I'm I'm not saying that he's in that realm of Dwight Gooden and, and some of the others you've seen, but you saw him up close, and I saw him up close doing the Cardinal games um, and I people ask me all the time about the best I've seen. I've been doing it for almost 25 years, Jim. And Alan Bennis, when he was healthy, yeah. was mm-hmm. so good. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy, and if, if he didn't have the shoulder issues, we'd be talking about him wearing a red jacket here in St. Louis. He was that good. And you saw him up close, college and oh, in yeah. pro.
3: Yeah, I was so lucky. I, I recruited Alan at Lake Forest High School, and, and he wasn't throwing that hard then. And uh, back then, kids weren't committing, you know, in the ninth and 10th grade.
1: That's right. Uh, Allen
3: right. didn't commit till the fall of his senior year. And even the summer between his junior and senior year, uh, you know, you know, he had the pedigree name from Andy, but it wasn't like high-end stuff yet. And ours, my best friend, who's deceased now in scouting, Stan Zelensky, told me, just take him, Jim. He's going to throw really hard someday. And a year and a half later, Allen's throwing 94, 95 in the College World Series as a freshman. And he had all the intangibles. I mean, he, he he actually won me over watching him play a high school football game. He was just uh, just relentless and dominant. And, uh, you know, he's the guy that you love. It was like, you know, be a real tough guy and you know what, three hours a day, and then be this guy in the, ice, in the world the other 21, and that's how he was. And uh, love Alan Bennett. It's unfortunate. You're right. People don't talk about him. And not to be disparaging of his brother who had a great career, but I, I think Alan was headed for – the big time if he hadn't gotten hurt
1: no doubt uh jim henry is our guest and he's been kind enough to come on and he's scouting he's all over the place in the country and has been doing this for so many years i'm curious jim with with analytics now and it is such a a big part of the game as we all know and the the three true outcomes walk strikeout homer so mm-hmm. when when you're evaluating, um, are kids now at the lower levels? I'm I'm talking about high school kids, mm-hmm. even below that. They are they said are they being told and said to them, hey, you need to you need to elevate the ball when you're a hitter. You you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta do this. You gotta have spin rate on this. I mean, and and then when you're evaluating, obviously you're gonna have the have those metrics available to you. But I just wonder if we're going down a bad path here where kids aren't learning to put the ball in play, hitting a line drive is okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. some of those things yeah. are being done right now, and it's, I, I just don't know if that's a good thing for the game.
3: Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm an old-school guy. Everyone knows that, and, and we all have to learn to, to, the nuances of the game and adjust to it, and if you don't, you're, you know, you're not going to be in the game long. So I certainly think that the analytics have value and, and, and certain areas stronger than others. I think when we get to the amateur level, I think you're you're dead right. You, you see a lot of these guys now going to their own hitting coaches and they're all preaching the ultimate launch angle. And Launch angle is not really a new term to people that have been in the game all their lives. It's it just taking on a new situation and it's become the, the buzzword. But, you know, there are a lot of people that will tell you that you can't start out below the baseball and be a good hitter and uh, not to get too technical. But yeah, I think it's being taught at a young age and I think, these uh, extra you know the, the, the guru pitching or hitting coaches that, that parents at 12, 13, 15 send their kids to uh, might not be the most qualified to get somebody ready for division one baseball or professional baseball. so I think, I think we are in a, in, a, in a dangerous spot and obviously the commissioner's office is addressing it because I say the same thing that you just said at the park all the time our games becoming walk strikeouts and home runs. And now I think it'll go in cycles if the ball, you know, the ball obviously has been changed to a degree and I don't think we're going to see as many home runs, but at the same time, you know, pitching is so much more velocity now and it's harder to hit to begin with. And, and uh, uh, you know, that, that's just the nature of the game. I just hope over time that the health of pitchers doesn't go in such a negative way because people are throwing so hard at a young age, but it, it is different. It is different scouting people but the one thing about amateur baseball and I'm not being disparaging other teams that maybe do it uh, more analytically than others. And and we have a Damon op and I'm a great scouting director and we have a wonderful guy, uh, Scott Bendikey that helps us from an analytical lens also, but you still, for me in the amateur world, it's still more about scouting and projecting of skills. And, you know, I always tell our young guys, you know, we're not looking for the Midwest league all-stars we're looking for major league players. So don't get hung up in if a guy's hitting, you know, 450 here or, you know, his, he's hitting home runs up in the trees with a better launch angle than the guy down the street. Uh, you know, you still have to have people project that talent of what it's like to play that level in the big leagues.
2: Hey, Jim, you took over as the Cubs general manager in 2003, and that was a very interesting time for the Cardinals as well, as they were getting ready Mm -hmm. to go on that run from 04 to 06. What was Mm -hmm. it like as the general manager in Chicago at that time when you had such a behemoth to the South with pools mm-hmm. and Edmonds and Roland right in the middle of that order what was it like building a team that had to compete with that right inside yeah. of the division every year
3: well well obviously it was a, the, the biggest challenge i'm mean, this the storied franchise of the cardinals have had for years and and obviously walt jocky and i were friends at the time and that also turned into a good relationship with with mo uh and i at the end of oh two when annie mcphail uh you know gave me the job that was you know what you aspired to be like you know and and the, and the level of talent. And we won the division, you know, in 03, that, that was the Bartman year. And so we felt like for a while there, we, you know, we were going to be able to go toe to toe. And we had our, a couple years better than the Cardinals. If, of course, we didn't turn it into a ring like like they did. And in 04, we actually had a better team than in 03. And we just didn't, you know, we wouldn't prior got hurt. and We just couldn't finish it off at the end and get in. Uh, but that was, it was, the, the, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to get a few overlaps mixed up here. But when you were going against Albert, who was the best player in the game by far for 10 years. And, you know, you had Edmonds and you had Scotty Rowan comes in and Edgar Renteria, who was an original Marlin back when I was. Uh, you know, it was just one guy after another, Matt Morris and, you know, the whole deal. Uh, yeah, there was no weaknesses on, on the Cardinals. And Tony obviously was a great manager. And, and to, to the next seven or eight years, um, yeah, the Cardinals, of course, got the better of us uh, it, it, by winning the rings, and we didn't. But the Dusty Baker, LaRusse era. the awesome. La mm-hmm. era. So much uh, fun. Pretty good. And, and we, you know, we, we won the division three times, and we just couldn't finish it off like, like the, the Redbirds did. But there was always, I, I tell people all the time, now that you've been a Yankee for 10 years in the Boston Yankee thing, the Cardinals-Cubs rivalry in my day was just great. I have nothing but respect for the way that people in St. Louis know baseball. I think guys that went there to play that came from other places – thought it was a great place to play. And so was Chicago. And, and, uh, you know, we did change the attitude there that it wasn't okay to lose. And, uh, and, and we took our best shots at the Cardinals. We just couldn't finish it off in the end of October.
1: Hey Jim, uh, you gotta be honest with me. Um, mm-hmm. and you and I have talked a lot prior to yeah. this interview. Um, would you ever deal with the Cardinals when you were a GM? Did you ever think about, I would,
3: Oh, I would have. Yeah, I would have. And I, I think in the right situation, we really? might have, Yeah, I don't think it would have been any significant at the time, you know, because until the last couple of years when we weren't very good, you know, before uh, I left, uh, I think, you know, like I said, even though we didn't win the ring, it was really competitive. And we we felt if we're going to win the thing, the division again, it's going to have to go through St. Louis. And uh, so I think, you know, both sides were probably a little guarded. I was probably a little younger and more nuts than Walt was. You know, absolutely, <laughs> and, and, but, I love And, and it. I used to tell Walt, like, well, we don't have to make any trades. You've already got you know, eight good guys <laughs> in the field. <laughs> you know, but then it was kind of what, what uh, you remember. This it was kind of put a little interesting twist on it when the year we brought Jimmy Edmonds in. That's right. And uh, and and I will always say this: I, uh, Jimmy Edmonds with us, he wasn't in his heyday. But we didn't. I think we won ninety-seven games that year in 'oh eight. And Jimmy Edmonds had a lot to do with that. And, and I'm telling you, when he, it, whether it was against St. Louis or Milwaukee, which was now really good too, with Doug Melvin they brought CC in and they had a heck of a team, heck of a lineup. Uh, Jimmy Edmonds rose to the occasion and was great for us. And, uh, and that was a big storm. You remember, cause all oh, he, you know, he left the Cardinals, he's coming to the Cubs, you know, but uh, even in his latter years, um, he was a real winning type player and, and I always had such admiration from him for, from afar because, I mean, he could do it all.
2: Jim. The, the statute of limitations is up now. You've, you've been out of the Cubs system for 10 years. The Cardinals have a new general manager. Was there ever yeah. a trade that was discussed yeah. that didn't end up going down that you were like, man, that, that could have been really interesting for both sides, yeah. in the Cubs yeah, and the Cardinals?
3: I, I don't remember. I, I think, you know, I remember Walt and I talking one year, uh and 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 I remember Walt wasn't sure they were going to come out of it you know as it got closer to the deadline and I think it was year you end up winning you know with a I think maybe 83 84 85 wins am I wrong there am I a little too low
1: No you're
2: right there uh, 06 yeah and We were
3: we, I remember us cuz Walt and I used to sit in games together for a while I mean people thought that was crazy we'd sit together for a while and then all of a sudden the intensity started taking over. The game was close, and one of us, either at either place, would kind of bow out and definitely go back to my own box. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then most of the time we'd go have a drink or something to eat. You know, post game, and I, I we were really good friends. And, and I, I'm sure it, at first people didn't get that. I think the only time I blew him off after the game was when Edgar hit that walk off home run against us one Alvin night. Alvin Yeah, when we blew the big. That, that was one of my first or second years. Of, of course he offered. I said, Really well, you think I'm going out right now <laughs> But no, I don't there was nothing significant. But I think if there was another week or so that went by and the Cardinals didn't think they were gonna get back, I think I talked to him about a, a pen guy or two with the time, just kind of augment what we had, you know, but um obviously the Cardinals righted the ship ended up having a great finish.
1: Hey, Jim, this was great. Thanks for doing this. Good luck to you. You're you're awesome at what you do. I love reading about what you're interested in because I know you have such a keen eye for talent. So thanks for coming on well, and doing yeah, thank this.
3: You, thank you so much. I, I do miss coming to St. Louis a lot. I have a great friend, a college teammate, Tim Size, and I miss coming down to see him and playing at Old Warson Country Club every now and then, too. So, but I, My ultimate respect to the Cardinals and the people of St. Louis.
1: Thank you, Jim. Appreciate you. That's Jim. That's Jim Henry, and uh, scouting now for the Yankees. And he's tell you what, I would bend his ear all the time, and he was great. He he knew what was you know it was stuff that was off the record, but yep. just asking about, hey, what do you see here? What do you see there? And it was amazing. To pick his brain about certain players and what was going on. He, he's awesome. I love him.
2: We got to get him back on uh, the next time or maybe a little later on when the Cards Cubs are yes. back against one another. Because I have so many questions about those mid-2000s, Oh, I've, the, uh, yeah. the rivalry, like all... I, we could talk to him for days and we would still have stories to get into. He's, he's tremendous.
1: Uh, coming up, we're going to visit with Ryan Terrio, a champion of the 2011 club. Looking forward to that. And that's next. This is the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I promise. All right. I was fired up about this. Tanner said, we got Ryan Terrio on the show. I said, That's a rating spike. No doubt about it. This guy's the best. Uh, He's awesome. He was great in 2011 with the St. Louis Cardinals with BK. I'm Danny Mac. Dan McLaughlin. Let's say good morning to Ryan Terrio. Ryan, how you doing?
0: BK, Mac. What's going on, guys? Appreciate y'all having me.
1: Are you down in uh, Baton Rouge?
0: Trying to stay dry. We've had just an unbelievable amount of rain in the last week down here. Some flooding going on. So, yeah, man, I'm in Baton Rouge. I'm actually on a field. Believe it or not, we're going to try to play baseball tomorrow. Hopefully we can get this field ready.
1: How are your Tigers doing this year?
0: Not so good, Coach. Yeah, yeah. Not looking great. What it's, do you-, uh, you know, it was a weird baseball year, man, you know, with the, with, with the extra year for everybody. And, you know, it's a young team. Not a good year to be young because you've got some some guys that have been on campus four, five, six years in some cases at a lot of these schools. And so uh, it is a rough one this year for the Tigers, but uh, – Hopefully, they can make possibly pull out a uh, couple victories the last two games and make it to the postseason.
1: So, we'll see. What are you doing with the program down there?
0: I consult. I mean, you know, I help, uh, help hitting coach a little bit. You know, there's probably six or seven of the guys that, um, that I train, uh, here at my facility. And just, you know, man, it's, it's nothing big. It's, it's more, I don't know, mental stuff than anything. Um, you know, I love being involved and being a part of it. I grew up being a, as an LSU fan and right. obviously played there. So, um, you know, it makes me feel good to be able to help a little bit and, uh, and st- still be a part of it, uh, you know, some way, some way.
2: Ryan, I don't know how much you've been able to talk to the guys about this, but what, for the guys that did come back this year, what is this experience like, especially for the ones that could be draftable? Because the draft was so strange last year as well. It was shortened. It was condensed. There weren't yeah. the same number of guys that were taken. What's this process been like for them over the last year or so?
0: And it's been tough on these college kids, especially ones that um, you know, last year that, that would have been in a different spot or had an opportunity to play pro ball. Um, you, you know, and then they were passed over because it was five rounds, and then they got to make a decision whether to sign as a free agent, which teams are cutting back on on organizational teams, so it's there's just not as many spots as it used to be. I think it's a good thing. I think there was too many minor league teams. Um, I do agree with that, but it doesn't change the fact that a kid's childhood dream, um, you know, is taken away from him, uh, it, you, you know, because of it. Uh, the kids this year, you know, it's a little bit better, um, you know, but I don't think we're going to see a true, the true ramifications of this situation until the next two or three years because the recruiting classes down to the 2024s, 2023s, you know, so the juniors – or sophomores this year, excuse me, um, incoming juniors, there's going to be a stockpile of players and good players. Um, and, and the schools that are going to benefit is the junior colleges because – the high-level D program programs, you know, in LSU, uh, you know, uh, Florida, Michigan, you know, these schools have so many good players on campus because of the limited rounds of draft, um, you know, to choose from.
1: Ryan Terrio is our guest. I got the chance, BK, to moderate the 2011 get-together, 10-year reunion, and the guy that stole the show, Ryan Terrio and Lance Berkman. How much fun was that, Ryan, to to be a part of that and to see the guys again?
0: golly man you know it's just life happens right and there's so many um so so many many things take place or have taken place for me you know between then and now and kids growing up and businesses and everything else and to go back in time you know those years there's so many things that you've forgotten about forgotten about and just to see the guys faces.
1: Um, it was like, you guys you know, never and, left. It was like being in the locker room yesterday. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was crazy. And
0: listen, and, and that's why we won, you know, and people don't realize that I mean, the chemistry on that team was just second to none. It was really, really amazing. And and what you felt and saw was what we felt every day. And, um, I mean, it, it was, yeah, that, that, that was a really cool thing. And I'm just so appreciative to everybody that, that had a hand in doing that. Um, you know, I was text messaging guys after. I didn't have phone numbers or good numbers for some of the guys. Um, and it was just—it was really cool.
2: Ryan, when you look back on that season and what you guys were able to accomplish, especially in the playoffs when everything kind of came together for you, uh, what what immediately comes to mind for you? Obviously, the World Series in general, but what what is it for you that stands out about that season?
0: Um, you know, I think we we preach. To these young kids you know we mentioned LSU earlier but but also you know I have I have a um a uh, sports performance business here and we just so happen to have some academy teams football soccer and baseball and we preach to these kids the importance of of chemistry and loving your teammates and, and and truly wanting them to succeed more than you do yourself and that's how you win championships blah 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 man that's that team more than any team uh ah, 2012 was similar in in, in, San, in San Fran, but but. 2011 St. Louis, it, it epitomized everything of, you know, when you talk about being a good teammate and, and, and enjoying the company of those that are around you. And um, honestly, I, I don't think there was anybody in the clubhouse, and this is coaches included, you know, that, that you didn't want to spend time with from a player's standpoint. We just enjoyed each other's company so much. And there were so many different personalities, but everybody got along well. The team dinners were so diverse and the plane rides you know there wasn't the clicks in the back in the middle i mean everybody was together and and you know it's because of guys like gerald laird and skip schumacher and you know the 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 heroes of the team that you wouldn't necessarily think were heroes of the team from the outside looking in but that that was the glue that, that made it all happen and Octavio dotel's of the world um you know so it was just a. It was a special team in that regard. The chemistry was was unbelievable. And as
1: you said, you you basically won the equivalent, money-wise, of a car from Furcal, so those rides were really fun.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a a Camry from him. uh, Yeah. (laughs)
1: i love it um you offer great perspective on this too because you were a member of the cubs cubs are in town think about this ryan the cubs did not come to st louis last year which is the first time since 1892 that didn't happen so it's it's great to have the cubs in town and bigger capacity tonight about thirty thousand. um and you mentioned that even you got along with the coaches what did you think of tony when you were on the other side tony la russa and then you got the chance to to play for him, and he's he's your teammate, so to speak. So, what was that yeah. like for you?
0: You know, when, when it's on the other side, you always wonder what 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 is it that they're doing. You know, what why are they different? Why do they keep winning games? Obviously, they have good players, but you know, in, in Chicago, oh seven oh eight, um, I mean, we had best offense in baseball, best pitching staff in baseball, and you know, it, but but we, we couldn't quite get over the hump, you know. And so you look you look over at St. Louis, and you just. I don't want to say there's envy there. It wasn't necessarily envy. It was more intrigue, I guess, because, you know, you just, you you want to know what the secret sauce is, man. And then when I got to St. Louis, um, I figured it out. First day of spring training, Uh, you know, it was, it was an expectation rather than a hope, you know, it was um, not, not if we're going to be in the postseason and and have a shot at winning the world series. It, It was, it was, we are going to, to do that. And, he was just so freaking prepared, man. He was, um, you brought a, brought a confidence to the team in a situations in situations where it gets tough and the season gets long and Tony, Tony just provided a calm, whether it was, uh, you know, made up or not, you know, a lot of times I felt like he was just pulling stuff out of the air, but he made you believe, you know, that you, that you were the best and you could succeed. And, um, He's just a special man. I mean, it, it, it's a great manager. You know, I'd say it all the time. He, he's he's possibly the best baseball mind of all time. I mean, he's definitely the most prepared manager I've ever, ever played for, for sure.
2: Ryan, we've talked to a few guys, whether it be with the Brewers or uh, the Rangers as well, about what we saw from David Freeze that postseason and how it just mm-hmm. it came almost out of nowhere. And he was a good player for the Cardinals beforehand, but he went to another level in that postseason what was it like to be in that clubhouse and to see what David freeze was doing where he was just, he caught fire and he couldn't be stopped in that postseason.
0: Yeah. And and look, you gotta, you gotta have one of those, you know, when you go on these runs in 2012, we wanted, it was Hunter Pence and, and um, you know, Barry Zito, right. Uh, Of, of all people, Barry came in and, and, you know, was just took everything to another level. So you gotta have that happen when you want to win
3: championships
0: and, to witness it firsthand with, with freeze, um, you saw it coming though. I'm going to be honest, you know, that you saw flashes of it. At least I did throughout the season. I mean, you know, there, there were times where you go, he's the best player on the field, you know, and he's the one you want up in a big situation. And, and certain guys just have a knack um, for producing when they get that opportunity, you know, thankfully he was able to do that, but it wasn't just him. I mean, it was, there was a lot of guys. It was some, some, some really substantial hits and pitching performances. We can, talk about chris carpenter and then you know it you know to to get that championship but freeze man i know it was a shock but 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 honestly for for us or at least for me i can't speak for everybody i wasn't like surprised that he that he got it done because I, I mean i saw flashes of that throughout the year
1: interesting that's really interesting um by the way are you coming back to st louis or, i know they're you know, pre COVID they were they were saying, Okay, we're gonna have this big blowout for the two thousand eleven team, then COVID hit and we're trying to get it all back together. Do you have any insight on that? Are you guys coming back and doing a night at the ballpark?
0: Yeah, I know I know it's it's happening. Um I'm trying to do my best. You
1: better you know, get I've back got, here.
0: I, I I'm trying, man. I've I've got three kids. Uh, you know, my son obviously with baseball and football and then my girls do the competitive soccer stuff, so um, their schedules are pretty pretty jammed up, but I'm going to do my best to get up to St. Louis for that. And it's a special moment, obviously, for all of us involved. And then, you know, I know the fans would, would enjoy seeing everybody. So, uh, yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Awesome. Hey, Ryan, thanks for doing this. Congratulations on everything you're doing post baseball. And uh, you're always going to have that label, man, World Series winner multiple times. It's pretty good.
0: Uh, that's right. That's right. No, I appreciate you guys having me. It's always a blast. Thank you.
1: You, you, you got it. That's Ryan Terrio, the. Uh, Champion of the 2011 World Series, Cardinals, and then did it again in 12. <laughs> that one sticks out for me. That 12 team, that Cardinal 12 team, pretty darn good. And they were up three games to one. Barry Zito pitched in Game Five. When he brought that up, I was like, "Ugh." He pitched in Game Five, and I'm thinking, "Okay, they're they're going to the World Series again. They're gonna they're gonna go. Uh, you're up three one on them." Hunter Pence did his thing where he's, you know, getting guys fired up and all that stuff.
2: God, I hate that guy. He's, he's great. He's, he's great, great, dude. But like, God, he, I hate that guy I, so much. No
1: question. <laughs> and um, and it, it, memory if memory serves correct, BK, in that series, in Game 5, Check me if I'm right on this. Lance Lynn was on the mound in game five. Yeah, it was Lynn versus Zito that yep, day. Yeah, and it was a missed double play. And if they turned the double play, and I think Lynn, see if he had an error, if they gave him the error on that play. But Cosmo went to go cover the bag at second, and if they get out of that inning, they win that game. I think I'm right about yeah, that. Yeah,
2: Lynn did have an error in yeah, that game.
1: Yeah, that's the game. Mm, yeah, yeah, sorry. Had to bring it up, I guess. Not great. That was a tough Um, one. That 12 team was really good.
2: They were very good. And that Giants team, just the secret sauce that Ryan Terrio was talking about, for whatever reason, even years, the Giants teams had that. They had the secret sauce where everything just came together.
1: 10, 12, 14, they'd win. They were good teams. I mean, you look back to... I'd be curious what Ryan thinks. I mean, he gave great praise, and understandably so, for Tony La Russa, but he played for Bruce Bochy, too. Yeah, I'm not sure there is a guy that has handled a bullpen any better in baseball over my time of covering the game and watching how he did it against the Cardinals, too. He he did, he made moves, BK, that was two or three steps ahead of what you were thinking. I, I remember one game specifically, and I don't remember the personnel, and I questioned, I, I was like, in my mind, I said, Why is he doing that? And it was about a pinch hitter, but he wanted Mike Matheny to make a move. He was going to counter. There was another counter move, and then it was another move. And it all played out to a T. And I was like, wow. I mean, this guy handled a bullpen and moves strategically as well as anybody.
2: It's also interesting because those were going back to the days of the managers that were kind of the figurehead within an organization, right? Like you had TLR going up against Bruce Boshi. Those were the guys that when you talked about the Giants or the Cardinals – you immediately went to them or, like, the star player, right? Now it's more of a general manager's game yeah. where if you're talking about the Cardinals, you're immediately pointing to John Mosaylock. And so it's, it's interesting how even over the course of a decade, it's not that long ago that no, the 2011 season took place, like you don't really have figures like that as much anymore in the game of baseball. So it's it's crazy how quickly things can change. In this the
1: is game. a fun show. Jim Henry, great. Ryan Terrio. Nice job, Tanner. Uh, you're coming up with Alex. What are you guys
2: uh, getting ready for game three, I'm assuming? So coming up today, we've got John Stockstill, who is a former Cubs uh, scout within their organization. Spent some time with the Orioles as well, a lifer in the game of baseball. We'll talk with him coming up at 1230. I want to start with a question because we talked about this a little bit yesterday about the Cubs and their five, six-year run here, whether or not is it's a success. What would make the Cardinals' next five years a success? What would it take for this in the time where you've got Goldie, you've got Arenado in his prime, you've got Carlson coming into his own, you've got Flaherty at a few years minimum. What would it require for this five-year stretch for the Cardinals to be a success? We'll get into that coming up here in just a little bit.
1: That's a great question. Um, and as Ryan Terrio said, you go to spring training, not if, we are going to win. That's the expectation now. Go get a World Series. And, you know, there's – I think that over the course of a long season and by – at least the way I look at it, by Memorial Day, you kind of know what you got. And that's the first third of the year. And then the middle of the season can be kind of tough. You get in some dog days, and then you see the light at the end of the tunnel at the trade deadline. There are some things they could do, and I think they could do it to fill some holes with this team to make them even better. They're a good team. This is a good team. And they're not in a very
2: good division. So they're going to get into postseason. I truly believe that. My favorite part, Dan, they can make the division worse if they take care of their own business. Like right. this weekend, if you sweep the Cubs, that's going to help you later on. If you take care, they've got nine games against the Cubs in the first half of the season. The Cubs are waiting for an opportunity to trade off some of their stars to replenish this system. The Cubs can help them with that decision. Or excuse me, the Cardinals can help the Cubs make that decision by winning these games. So it's, it's a huge series for the Cardinals.
1: All right, looking forward to your show. Again, Blues Hockey coming up tonight. Valley Sports, you can watch the Cardinal game and the Blues, and we'll talk to you on Monday at 10. You've been listening to The Danny Max Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
3: Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music.